And my buddy Colin Kennedy at 24-7 Sports, he used to work with us here at the ref. He does a great job at, at 24-7. He did a game-by-game prediction of OU earlier today. And he starts off strong. He thinks OU rolls UTEP and Kent State. Then he thinks OU goes up and beats Nebraska and Lincoln. He thinks OU gets on a little bit of a roll. 5-0 and start going into the OU-Texas game. And Colin has OU losing the Texas game in Dallas. He says, well, there's always one trip up every single year, and that trip up this year is going to be Texas and Dallas. But then he has OU rolling the final stretch of the season, finishing the year 11-1 and with a lone loss to Texas. Now, I asked Parker this question during Locked In today, and, oh, boy, the text line sure uh, had their opinions on it. If I were to do deal or no deal style offer you right now, Travis Davidson, 11-1 and season and your loan losses to Texas, do you take that deal or do you slam it down and say, no, thank you, sir, I will not be accepting a deal losing to the University of Texas? Oh, I take it. I take 11-1 and all day. Uh, Ooh, because wow. You're, you're I said, right, I said that earlier and got canceled. You're right in the playoff picture. You're right in the playoff picture uh, at that point. I mean, it is what it is. Losing to rivals, I get it. It's... You know, we can complain about, oh, they were mean to us on Twitter. You know, we didn't hear the end of it from their fans. Yeah, that's all cool, but we're 11-1 and at that point. That means we're guaranteed to be in the Big 12 championship for sure. And then if, if you know, we take care of business, I mean, it could be a situation where, you know, we lose to them there, we beat them in the Big 12 championship. That's worked out fine for us in the past. We end up in the playoff. Who knows what that looks like. Um, so, I mean, yeah, given the opportunity to say, if you give me 11 wins right now and I get to lock that in on a deal, I don't care who the loss is to. 405-651-3439. Text line, play along with this scenario here. Now, I, I, I did say, like, in this scenario, if it's 11-1, and one, if you're guaranteeing a Big 12 championship and a college football playoff berth, to me the answer is an absolute less. I mean, if you're guaranteeing me a conference championship and a trip to the playoff this year, as much as that drive home on Sunday on October 9th would suck, and yes, we all know that that drive sucks, Sunday coming back after you lose the game, but the recruiting bump that you would get, just like, I, I, I don't know, you lose to Texas, it wouldn't be fun, I understand that, but going to the playoff in year one with Brent Venables and being able to give the double bird to all the national media after all the crap that, that they talked this offseason – that would almost be uh, that, w- that would be pretty redeeming, man. That would be a pretty nice well, offseason. Yeah, not only that, but think of how it would affect recruiting. I mean, you say, okay, you know, there are some recruits that are thinking of themselves right now. Uh, you know, man, I really believe in this guy. You know, I saw what he did at Clemson as a coordinator, but I gotta see it. I gotta see it to believe it. I've never seen him as the head man. If this guy comes out in his first season as the head man, and you know, makes the playoff, then there's not a recruit out there that's like, well, I gotta let's see if he can make the playoff in his first two years. You know, I know he made the playoff his first year, but let me see how he's done in his first two years. Nobody's gonna be saying that. They're all gonna say, okay, sign me up, let's go to work. Yeah. Text line says, what's the alternative scenario? Well, just like Deal or No Deal, the game show, the alternative scenarios you say, no, nope, no deal. I'll uh, I'll just see what happens this year and just play out the season. 11-1's hard to turn down. Text line says, deal, all your goals are still in play. Uh, 11-1, I'll take it. This one says, what would Bob Stoops' answer be? Well, after that, every time Bob Stoops suffered his first loss, what did he say? Well, our goals are still intact. 
Goals are still intact after the Texas loss, man. And, hey, this exact scenario, it's happened twice. It's happened twice in 2015 and 2018. Your lone loss in the regular season came to Texas, and you still found your way into the college football playoff. Now, you didn't win either one of those college football playoff games. I understand that, and maybe you wouldn't this year. Who knows? But you never, ever, ever turned down, in my opinion, a trip to the college football playoff. No, I am not one of those fans that would rather go play an easier team in the Sugar Bowl or, you know, go to another bowl game and have a guaranteed win. No chance, man. Let me rack up those college football playoff uh, semifinal appearances. And, hey, maybe this ends up being the team at the end of the year, Travis, that we say, okay, well, they may not be as good as Alabama, and they may not be as good as Ohio State or maybe even Georgia, but this is a team that's gotten significantly better from week one all the way to the conference championship week. Let's see what the new coaching staff, let's roll the dice and see what this particular team can do in a playoff setting. Yeah, I mean, it would be an absolute win. I mean, if you, if you make it to the playoff under Venables, and here's the thing, Texas may say that in their goals of the season it's to beat Oklahoma. That's that's not that's not Brent Venables' goal. Brent Venables' goal, well, is to graduate the kids. But if you're talking strictly football goals, it's win the Big Twelve and then make the playoff. You know, win win, and then that's those are your goals, your end of season goals. It's not, oh man, we just got to beat Texas this year. If we beat Texas and go seven and five, man, it was a good year because we were able to put that notch in our belt that we beat Texas. No way, no how. That is not on their radar. That is not a goal. Um, it is a goal of a lot of the fans, I know, because I, I can't stand the Texas trash talk as much as, you know, as anybody else. But at the same time, 11 wins, give me 11 wins every time. Uh, Bobby from Austin says, 11-1 and one with the one to KU, no thank you, laughing emoji. <laughs> no deal, <laughs> never acceptable to lose to Texas. This one says, okay, gentlemen, stop making sense. This is Sooner Sports Radio, and we will not take off our crimson-colored glasses. No guaranteed losses to Texas in this house. Well, yeah, I suppose, I, look, I suppose this then. I suppose this. The people that yeah. say it's never acceptable to lose to Texas, how many, how many losses are you willing to accept if it means you beat Texas? So, like, there's always a scale, right? So, okay, okay, we'll give it to you that it's never acceptable to lose to Texas. Okay, so do you want to go ten and two and beat Texas? Would that be okay? Maybe make you know make the Big Twelve Championship. See what we can do there on the playoff picture. Is it okay to go nine and three as long as you beat Texas? What about eight and four? I mean, you know, you get down there, eight and four is seven and five okay if you beat Texas? You know, you you have to eventually slide that scale of when when does it not matter whether or not you beat Texas as long as you're getting the win and again maintaining those postseason goals. Yeah, well, if you had to pick the loss too, like, we're, like no loss is ever going to be you know accepted even in eleven and one season, right? And well, you know, exactly. Texas when is people the say first it's unacceptable, that, yeah. it's unacceptable to lose to Texas. Yeah. Trust me, it's it's unacceptable to lose to anybody when you're at Oklahoma. It's it's unacceptable to lose to Nebraska, OSU, Texas. It's unacceptable, like like uh, the caller said. Would you rather lose to Kansas? That would be an interesting. And if I had to pick bowl. the loss. Yeah, if I had to pick the loss, Texas is a no. Kansas is a no just because, I mean, you never – Kansas is the loss. Even if you went on to the college football playoff, no one would remember because you lost to Kansas at home. Texas exactly. is a no. Kansas is a no. Oklahoma State is a no. Um, 
there's no acceptable loss here. What exactly? How about there's no acceptable at West loss. Virginia? I, I I don't know where you'd prefer the loss to be. I, I I don't know on that one. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the eleven and one, but they don't want to lose to to uh, Texas. It, it seems like they just don't want to lose to anybody, which is what all of us want, anyways. So maybe is the que- maybe the question is, hey, eleven and one, your only loss is to Texas, or you beat Texas, like I said, and you lose. Who knows? A mystery amount of games. It could still be, it could still be twelve and zero. I guess it's on the table. You could say no deal and just ride with it. But man, that that eleven wins. I'm slamming that button. I'm slamming that deal button all day, and I will wave at at those that took no deal from the playoff. Um, what about this? It, let, let's say this exact scenario takes place. Now you're going to have to factor in what you think Georgia does and what you think Alabama does and Clemson and Ohio State, like you, you get the drill here. But with an 11-1 season, technically a 12-1 season, where you win the Big 12 championship, is that going to be enough this year with the number, or should I say the lack thereof, of potential quality wins for OU? Would a one-loss OU get into the four-team playoff field this year? I mean, that that, that is something to consider. And when I first... Uh, you know, kind of saw the scenario of the 11-1 with a Texas loss, that would mean that the committee would consider that a fine loss, a good loss maybe even. If we're moving to the SEC, they have those there. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's something to consider. I mean, you look at something as crazy as a Kansas loss or something like that, then, yeah, that's absolutely. If your one loss is to them and, say, Georgia's one loss is to – Alabama or you know whoever you know in the Big 12 or in the SEC championship or if they drop one early uh, maybe they lose to Florida something like that I mean if we're going up against them and we've got similar resumes and their only losses to Florida and ours is is to somebody drastically worse than that all things you got to consider yeah I think one loss this year I and this is just me projecting it's not a for sure answer but one loss in the past has always been enough for OU to get in the playoff, and I don't think that this year is going to be any different. It feels like most people are just chalking Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State to make the playoff, and I would agree with both Ohio State and Alabama. I'm just not so sure Georgia's going to be there in the end. I I would project Georgia as a two-loss team that's a non-SEC champ, and I don't think a two-loss Georgia that didn't win the SEC is getting in over a one-loss OU. I don't think that we have a Pac-12 champ that is undefeated or with one loss. I think Oregon, USC, and Utah are all going to lose non-conference games. Utah will lose to Florida. USC will lose to Notre Dame, amongst a lot of other teams. And Oregon's going to lose to uh, Georgia in week one in the Georgia Dome. So I think it would probably mean that OU is the four seed and having to play Alabama, the best team in the country. But do I think a one-loss OU gets in this year? Yeah, I think a one-loss OU gets in this year. But with that being said, Travis... I don't see a whole lot of top 15 wins on the schedule. If you want a top 15 win this year, you better have Baylor live up to expectations and still be a good football team with a good record that late in the season. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. But I think sometimes people get, uh, I don't know, let's let's call it uh, revisionist history when it comes to who made the playoffs, right? But one-loss teams – in, 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 you know, power conferences, 
they're likely making the playoffs if they're winning their conference championship and their one-loss team. People, people for some reason, operate under the assumption that only undefeated teams make the playoff, which is not the case. It's never been the case yeah. that you know you got four undefeated teams. So I mean, you look at you look at even us just getting through Big Twelve play undefeated. You know, it does not happen often. We've had some incredible teams over the last couple decades, and it's very it's a rarity. Teams lose, and and so to think that oh one lost team, even one lost team, we're going to be guaranteed the four. I mean, there's there, there's enough of an argument out there that hey one lost team. We, we could be three. We could even be up to two. I do think that some – I do think you're going to have an Alabama or Ohio State maybe go undefeated, but I don't know. It's one loss. It's – you're in the playoff, in in my mind, if you if you are a, a Big 12 champion, one loss, and your one loss is not to Kansas or UTEP. Yeah. Now, again, you may be the four seed in that and have to play – you know, the best team in the country in the semifinal, which they'll use experience before, and it's not a whole lot of fun. I think the, the goal needs to be to be one or two in the standings going in, not three or four. But, yeah, I think it would get you in. But on that on that topic, though, Travis, there are two it's, – it's the human element, all right? So you're going to get teams in this thing that get more of the benefit of the doubt – than, it, than some of the other teams in the country, right? I mean, past success, the conference that they're in, it's the human element that's going to happen. No one has more built-up credibility right now with the committee than Alabama and Georgia, who just won the national championship last year. Fair or not, I think mm-hmm. that those are the two that have the most credibility. With that being said, is there any realistic scenario where the SEC doesn't have at least one team in the college football playoff next year? Yeah, a meteor hits the earth. Uh, (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah. I think that's the only way that the SEC doesn't end up with a team. I mean, they just have to, especially with the way scheduling is right now, um, how the SEC has magically figured out ways to keep the big dogs from playing each other throughout the season for the most part, and they usually meet up in the SEC championship game. Um, You know, with that, it's – no, I think think you're – Sitting, sitting here in June, I'm, I can guarantee in my mind that an SEC team is making the playoff. Now, I would like to say my second guarantee would probably be Big Ten. But I don't know. What do you think? You know the SEC is guaranteed. What do, what do you think about a Big Ten guarantee? With Clemson not being sure about the ACC, we'll see how that yeah. goes without Venables. And then you don't know what's going to happen out west. As you said, with Utah, USC – and Oregon probably all racking up a loss in the non-con. Uh, that's automatically going to drop that, drop them down a little bit. Um, do, do you think the Big Ten would be the next uh, in line to have a guaranteed spot, whether that be um, probably Ohio's? I mean, definitely Ohio State would be the odds-on favorite. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I think so, the Big Ten. Just because it, you know what factors in a lot, too? It's preseason perception of which teams come into the season – you know, really, really good, or looking like, you know, one of the best three teams in the country. Like the perception right now, and I don't think that this is going to change until we start the season, but the perception is that Ohio State is the second-best team in the country. And I think that's a huge feather in their cap when it comes to, you know, having credibility with the committee. Now, I think that's crap. I think that it's, it's crap that, based on what, 
we think that Ohio State's the second-best team in the country, so they have a little bit more of an advantage over somebody else of getting into the playoff. I don't think that that's right. I don't think that that's what this system should be set up for. But, yes, I would agree with how good that I think that they are actually are this year. Um, I think Michigan's going to take a step back. Penn State's not ready to beat Ohio State. Michigan State, I think Michigan State's going to be a good team, but they were a good team last year, and Ohio State absolutely blasted them. That could really change, though, Travis. If Notre Dame goes into the horseshoe and wins week one, then my opinion could greatly change on that. But as we sit today, yes, it's more likely that two SEC teams get in than zero SEC teams get in. And right behind the SEC is, yeah, whoever wins the Big Ten, probably going to be Ohio State. Yeah, I think Ohio State may, I mean, last year they certainly had a 2018 Oklahoma Sooner problem where you've got C.J. Stroud, dynamic quarterback, looks like he's going to be one of the first quarterbacks selected in the, the next draft. And But they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't stop the run. Minnesota might beat them early in the year if their running back doesn't get hurt. I mean, they could not stop anybody. Oregon ran all over them. So I think that's the, the great unknown is you've got a brand-new defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles, who came up, obviously, from the other OSU, the local OSU, if you will. And, you know, it'll be interesting to watch because, you know, I like Jim Knowles, but he had a lot of very seasoned veteran players on that Oklahoma State team that had been playing together for a long time. Uh, COVID years extended their careers there, and they'd they'd really been working on that. Now he's going to have better talent at his disposal at Ohio State, but – I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they can turn around that defense at Ohio State because OU fans know all too well that it doesn't matter how good your offense is if you can't stop anybody. Real quick on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, the losses will hurt less if the defense has marked improvement. I I think that that's a great point and very important for a one-loss OU this year. They can't be hanging around the 90th overall defense. If this is a one-loss team, you know, when the defense is hanging around the top 25 somewhere and they faced a couple of good offenses and held their own and put up a very low number, then it's going to be things like that that change the perception of Oklahoma in the mind of the committee because, like it or not, Travis, that's what the committee has thought of OU now for a while is, oh, well, okay. Um, they play in a pinball league. They can score a whole lot of points, but when it comes to the defense, they cannot stop anybody, especially when it comes to playing a good team in the college football playoff. Well, and what, that's what's what's been kind of unfair because Baylor has had good defenses. Uh, Gary Patterson always had good defenses, and and we still ran up the score on them. So part of the reason it got known as a pinball league is because of Oklahoma because we kept scoring a bunch. Um, but yes, the problem was that we couldn't we couldn't stop anybody from doing it either. So um, yeah, I think that's a good point from the text line. If it do, if we do see improvements. And that's something Dominique Franks had said earlier uh, when, when Venables got hired. He's like, I just want to watch how the team plays. If, if, I can, if, if you can see that they are better defensively, if they are sound offensively, if the culture's right, everything like that, those are things that are more indicative of future success than sometimes the scoreboard can be. Because sometimes, you know, you can have your fluky scores here and there. Um, but, but, yeah, the, it, it, that's a good point. If the defense does – does step up and make an obvious change and, and it depends because we will probably have some youth playing some good minutes uh from the sounds of it some freshmen have been impressing so we'll see I, all i know is i'm i couldn't be more excited man yeah hey one more uh, a one loss oklahoma team with their strength of schedule this year 
may not even get a glancing look at a playoff berth. They'll get a glancing look at a playoff berth, even with that strength of schedule, their OU. But there is... I mean, there is some truth in there, and, and here's what's total crap about this year's schedule: is we all know the Nebraska game is going to be tough. Okay, it, OU's going to have to go up there and play well to win. Yes, Nebraska was three and nine last year, but all nine of those losses were single-digit losses. Okay, it's going yeah, to be. Yeah, they were the best three-win team. They were the best three-win team in the country last year. That's for sure. Yeah, but if you go up there and win, and if you go up there and win, I don't know, 24-20, it's a hard-fought game and then Nebraska goes 6-6 six and six the rest of the way, the committee and everyone else is going to say, well, gosh, they played just such a weak non-conference schedule. It really won't be put into – like, you won't get an accurate representation of how tough that game is going to be. People are just going to look at Nebraska's schedule at the end of the year and say, oh, well, they were 5-7, and seven, they were 6-6. Six and six. That wasn't that tough of a game. Why did Oklahoma struggle so much? And potentially the same thing is true about the Texas game. If Texas has another average year – where they go five and seven or six and six, we know that game's going to be tough. So Nebraska and Texas could be the two toughest games on your schedule, Travis, but they may end up being average teams, and you're not going to get credit for either of those wins when it comes to strength of schedule. Yeah, I'm 1,000% convinced that Baylor's going to be the toughest game on our schedule. I'm a, I'm a huge Dave Aranda guy. I think I've made that abundantly clear on air. Um, but, but no, that, that is a good point. I, I still go back to the revisionist history that, you know, it's it seems like there's – only undefeated teams in the playoffs. Only, I mean, a one-loss OU team. Again, I don't care who you lose to, outside of maybe Kansas or UTEP. You know, the one-loss team gets more than a glance from the playoff committee. They are in the throes of it. And I think a one-loss Big 12 champion OU team, no matter who they lose to, is at worst, at absolute worst, sixth in the final playoff poll. And I think yeah. I, I I tend to believe that they're in with that record. Friday Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davis, and Travis is live at Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa. I'm at Westwood Family Aquatic Center for the Let It Glow event tonight from 8.30 to 10.30. Keep it locked on the ref. More to come next. We are the Homeless Suter fans. Final hour on a Friday taking you into the weekend. It's the Friday Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson live on the ref. Travis is up in Tulsa at Ash Cigar Bar. Travis, what's going on at Ash? Oh, you know. We got uh, $3 domestic drafts. We got Rusty, the bartender, uh, shouting from the bar right now, making sure I give him a, a, a name drop out here. So uh, uh, we're out here watching uh, watching a little TV. We got $3 domestic drafts, $3 Stranahan's whiskey, uh, fine cigar collection. Um, if, if OU keeps on winning all these games, I don't know what's going to be going on. I'm going to be smoking whole boxes <laughs> of cigars. Yeah, well, um, we'll see. Oh, man, uh, getting ready for the Let It Glow event at the Westwood Family uh, Aquatic Center, 830 to 1030. And, Travis, I know that you'll be here on June 23rd for the world's largest swim lesson. I don't know how they're going to pull that off, but I am interested to see how this place pulls off the world's largest swim lesson. And the best part about it, it's absolutely free. It's absolutely free. So I, I know you'll be hanging out in the Lazy River or something, but we'll see you out here on June 23rd with everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are they still doing uh, the, uh, the movie, the dive-in movies? Dive-in movie will be happening this summer as well. Um, dude, this, it's a lot going on here. you got the Westwood Family Aquatic Center. You've got the Westwood Golf Course. You've got the Tennis Center, which I'm going to be at next Friday. 
Lots going on in uh, Norman, Oklahoma, outside of the uh, Champion Barbecue this weekend. Um, man, you, you mentioned if OU keeps winning games and they got a chance to do that tomorrow, OU softball against Texas tomorrow at 2 p.m. Are we both in agreement that we expect to see um, Hope Trout wine in the circle tomorrow, or do you think potentially it's Nicole May or even Jordy Ball for OU? No, we're, we're on the same page on that one for sure. Now, I think, I, I think May might get some looks, you know, I'm not maybe in, to close it out, anything like that, depending on how Hope looks. Uh, coming off a day of rest, though, I don't see any reason that, that Hope shouldn't be able to, uh, you know, mirror her performance yesterday and go deep into a game. And deep into a game, obviously, for OU sometimes just says, oh, go out and pitch four innings. Right, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Four and two-thirds innings, it's not like she pitched, you know, seven stress-filled innings yesterday where she just had to throw a ton of pitches. And, you know, it's it's hot out. It was hot out yesterday. It's not as hot out as it can be at, at, at certain times in this event, like in Ooh, past years, last year. So Last year was real hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, so hope is going to be literally 100% ready to go if if Travis and I are right, if she is the starter in the circle for OU. Um, Haley Dolcini had to throw more pitches, more innings than Hope Troutwine did yesterday against UCLA, but that's who I, I'm convinced that's who Texas is going to throw out there in the circle as well. And, and here's the situation, Travis, and here's how big tomorrow's game is. If you beat the Longhorns tomorrow – you are in that semifinal situation of Texas has to go play another game, and essentially whoever you match up with in the semifinals had to play an extra game, and they have to beat you two times in a row on the same day. Now, it's hard enough to beat OU one time in a row in one day, but having to beat them back-to-back games on Monday, that's going to be really difficult for anyone else left in the field, so... Tomorrow is actually one of the more important games that OU is going to play in the entire tournament. Well, and, and you, you bring up a, a good point about having to beat Oklahoma twice in a row, and especially if that's you know somebody that's got an ace but not really the depth that Oklahoma has pitching, that's where that comes into play. I mean, no matter who you've got going, do you think you can throw one pitcher in back-to-back games against our lineup? No way, no how. Uh, so that's where our pitching depth would come into play as a, as a big time advantage. Uh, but yeah, I, tomorrow's game is massive. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, I, I like our odds just because you know I've watched this team all year, and anybody that has will continue to like the odds, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, like the exact scenario that I'm talking about, where you know a team has to beat you twice. OU was in the exact opposite situation last year. And mm-hmm. Odyssey Alexander was staring them down, the pitcher for James Madison. So mm-hmm. if Odyssey Alexander couldn't win one of those two games from you last year, um, and I think Haley Dolcini is good. I don't think that she's Odyssey Alexander, but she's really good. If if Odyssey Alexander wasn't able to do it, then it's going to be tough for, for someone else to do it. So you, you, you win tomorrow, and, and here's why winning tomorrow is important, is you set your pitching up, you set yourself up so nicely, not just to make it to that championship series, but to set your pitching up for that championship series. 
you you beat Texas tomorrow, you're not playing on Sunday. You get another day off on Sunday, and then you come back Monday at 11 a.m. So th- this is why, with this new format, staying in the winner's side of the bracket is so important because Hope Troutwine and, and OU didn't play today. Well, she's going to be 100% tomorrow. And if she pitches tomorrow and wins, well, then she's got a day off Sunday. Then maybe you can bring her back again on Monday. And if she pitches on Monday, well, she's got a day off on Tuesday, and that's when the championship series starts. So it just sets your ace up in the circle to have not the maximum amount of rest, but a good amount of rest in between, you know, both starts to where you don't have to pitch somebody, you know, maybe twice in one day or back-to-back days. Yeah, certainly enough rest, I think we can agree on, enough rest that, that we would need. And like I said, have two of the other pitchers, two of the other six pitchers, you could say, that have a uh, sub-one ERA. So it's not like we'd be hurting for depth at all. We just want to, you know, set ourselves up for that. I mean, you look at what A&M, you know, tried to do. They were like, oh, you know what, We I think it was 3-2 the first game against A&M. And they were like, man, we're, we really, you know, we've shown that we can – you know, keep up with this team, and then next game, twenty to nothing. I mean, that—that's that, how—that's how I imagine any type of doubleheader or or anything would look like against us. Is hey, if you if you beat us in a close one, fine, but you're gonna pay for it in the next one. Yeah, yeah. Text line, you're right. Um, the loser tomorrow gets crossed bracket to the other side. So so yes, mm-hmm. that 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 is that is true. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. That's one of the unique things about the Women's College World Series bracket that you don't see a lot is it happens after this next round. But here's the thing, man. Haley Dolcini, got her, she got her work cut out for her, and I know that she feels good right now, as does that Texas team. But uh, the way that this OU offense is performing right now, and here's the thing, Travis, is just like Northwestern yesterday, you can have early success. OU didn't score in the first. OU didn't score in the second. Northwestern had a 1-0 lead going into the third. But all it takes is one base hit, and it feels like things really start to get rolling. So you can have a couple or a few innings where you have success against OU, but you can never relax, man, because that barrage can happen in any inning. And that's got to be tough for a pitcher to know that if I make a mistake, then OU's going to get on a roll, and there's no stopping it once it does. Yeah, with – uh, with Arizona last night pitching against Oklahoma State, where Oklahoma State kind of broke it open and, and scored those winning runs in that inning, it was, oh, Oklahoma State, you know, with a chance here with the middle of the lineup coming up. We'll see if they can through it. And all three of their hits were in that in that lineup that was coming up in the, in, in the middle of their lineup. And it's it's like nobody's ever said that really about Oklahoma. Like, oh, here's Oklahoma's chance because of the, you know, the part of the lineup that's coming to the plate this inning. Like. No, sorry, we're, we're one through nine, so we we don't and, – and Arizona knew that. Like, okay, we got to lock in for this inning. If we can get past the middle of the lineup, you know, we'll have, you know, maybe a, an inning or two where we can kind of maintain. Well, it's 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 full speed all the time against us, and, and that's why we've seen such success. Yeah. One program likes to say all gas, no breaks. This program is actually I was so close. all gas, I was no so breaks. Close to saying it. Or, it really, or as the T-shirts behind home plate say, all gaso, no breaks. Which I've got to get one Ooh. of those T-shirts. Can someone direct? I'll pay for it. I just someone needs to direct me where I can get an all gaso, no breaks T-shirt. Someone's got to do that. I was so close to saying all gas, no breaks, 
but I went with full speed and said not to. But but I mean, yeah, we we're, we're connected through these headphones. We just we just great minds, I suppose. <laughs> I, it is no <laughs> doubt. All right, we got a couple more segments remaining. On the Friday Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Keep it locked on the ref as we take you into the weekend. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. All right, final hour of the Friday Rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Taking you home on a summer weekend. Yeah, OU baseball tomorrow against probably Florida, maybe Central Michigan, but probably going to be Florida tomorrow. OU Texas, 2 o'clock on ABC and softball. But a uh, big weekend for football as well because it's the Champion Barbecue. Biggest recruiting weekend of the summer and one of the biggest recruiting weekends of the entire calendar year. Travis, what does a successful recruiting weekend look like for the Champion Barbecue this weekend? You know, the fan base is going to say commits. It needs to be commits. It needs to generate three or four commitments, and then we'll see. But – I honestly think a success is let this new staff, keep in mind the whole staff is new, right? That Turnipsey is new. Lee Davis is new. J.R. Sandlin's new. So when you look at the whole coaching staff, these are the people that help put on these events and, 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 and really make everything come together. So really for them it's, um, it's really the words of the players that they put out themselves. We saw such success from the camps. Uh, I mean – it seemed like everybody and their mothers tweeted about what a great time they had with the coaching staff, with the players that were there helping, what they learned, everything like that. So uh, I honestly think a, a reaction like that from all the top talent that's there saying, man, this you know really confirmed a lot of the things that I, I felt I knew about uh, Brent Venables and this historic program, everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's gonna people are going to want commitments out of it. So... Uh, I think I think that's at the end of the day what is going to spell success is yeah. the, the pe- people down the road maybe when you know guys like Parker and Brandon and Josh and all these guys get to interview and say what was the moment you knew you know what what really did it in your recruitment it's going to take just a couple of them to say man it was the Champion Barbecue where I really you know got to know you know the staff got to know the former players that was really cool. And then, and, and then we can put those together. But we won't find those things out for months. So we'll just have to pay attention to that. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. I, and I know that you would too. I, I want commitments out of this deal. I think we all do. You know, more than anything, just to create some recruiting momentum. Because I, I do think recruiting momentum is a real thing, and it would be nice to have some of that uh, going into the summer. And I, I, you're not, in my opinion, you're not going to get shut out this weekend. You're going to get one or two, three, possibly even four commits, and whoever you get is going to be a big-time player. But generating some positive momentum in recruiting is is key, man. And I, I get it from the fans' perspective. You know, as fans, we are we're not very patient when it comes to recruiting. We want the commits right away because we just we're not able to see into the everyday life of you know the the coaching staff can be a little bit more patient. They know if OU's the leader for a kid or not, um, but we want instant results. We want commits. Like we, we want all of that. So it's it's hard to be patient, I guess, is what I'm saying when you're a fan. Well, of course, and it's, you know, we live in the information age. This isn't the old days of the message boards um, where there was only a, a small amount of diehards that really paid attention to the recruiting. 
Uh, most people, even now, a lot of people say, you know what, I don't care who the kid is until he signs on the line. And until, and I think some of that is just PTSD from signing day flips. Uh, but, yeah. and, and there's a lot that's, hey, man, I don't care about them until they're on the team. Once they're on the team, then I want to know about them. I want to hear about them then. Um, but as we've seen through the growth of on three, through the success and growth of 247, and, of course, rivals, uh, I mean, it's recruiting is big business, and it's because people really care about this kind of stuff. It is the lifeblood of the program, as it's been said over and over. So, yeah, they they want commits. They want commits, but then I think there's I think there's an error amongst the fan base where commits under Brent Venables are ones that actually stick until, of course, an Ashton Cozart situation comes about. But um, we don't think <laughs> right, we, yeah. we don't we don't think we're going to have the the signing day drama that we've had in the past. Uh, because it seems like he wants to make it abundantly clear, if you commit, you are committed. Um, did I see that your boy Cole Adams is in Tuscaloosa this weekend visiting Alabama? Uh, I had seen that kind of, uh, you know, amongst the fray of Champ U news. Um, but, yeah, you know, we'll see. I will say that um, – Somebody that he spoke to and then that I spoke to about his OU visit, uh, this person recommended that he takes it in the fall. Um, so, um, and and this player, uh, this person that told him is a, is a current player, he said, hey, man, I would really recommend doing the fall visit because you can really get a feel for what Norman on game day is like, get a feel for, you know, what, um, you know, what, what the – what the game day experience is like and you you don't get that in 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 the summer you know you drive around campus corner right now and you know it's it's going to be pretty pretty ghost town without anybody in school or anything like that so uh i know that it has been recommended to him by somebody else to take his ov in the fall so that's what i would expect well you know as 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 hard as alabama is pursuing him if he's still not committed in the fall that's a very good sign for OU. If he ends up taking a fall visit to OU, and maybe Alabama still has a lead, but that's not the worst news for OU, definitely. It's great news for OU right now that he hasn't committed to Alabama already, right? I mean, yeah. That that's the thing is, you know, with with all of his ties to Oklahoma, uh, and I'm talking about the state and the university, you know. With, with him waiting, it was kind of one of those things, okay, now he got the Oklahoma offer, now the recruitment starts. Because if he if he didn't have an affinity for the University of Oklahoma, I mean, it's Alabama. They've been throwing re- receivers into the first round. You've got Saban for who knows how much longer. I mean, I mean, you would commit, you would think. But getting that Oklahoma offer, I do think he makes it to a fall OV because I don't think he commits without taking an OV to Oklahoma. Yeah, that'd be great news. All right, final segment of the Friday Rush is coming up next. Keep it locked one more time on the ref. It's the Homeless Suter fans. All right, final segment of the week. Friday Rush, Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, OU softball tomorrow. OU baseball tomorrow because they rolled Liberty today, 16-13. What's the, day, what's the deal, man? Is, is Trey's going to be showing all the games tomorrow in Tulsa or what? Oh, of course. Of course, yeah. We uh... – we always show the games. Uh, Softball is so big for us, uh, and then uh, we'll we'll get we'll get baseball up there too. We'll we'll take care take care of everybody at trays. I will say, um, I've got to shoot down a uh, 
a quick rumor before it gets too out of hand. Um, the Twitter menace uh, known as Tattoo Baker uh, put out a tweet that says, <laughs> Sources, Cardinal Club, okay, which is one of my spots, has just dropped off two F-18 Super Hornets for this weekend. The Jets oh were God. used... <laughs> the Jets used were in the movie Top Gun Maverick, and he photoshopped a couple of uh, jets onto the field and did a great little champ you uh, American flag type edit. And uh, enough people are falling for it that I feel like I'm, I'm going to get a oh call from gosh. old Toby Baldwin here to be like, hey, man, what'd you, what you? I didn't know that. What did you do here? No, I did not. I did not bring any jets. Um, did not bring any jets this year. So. Guys, you can't land an F-18 on a football field when it's only like 120 yards long. Come on. Maverick could. Great movie, though. Great movie, though. Go, go, uh, yeah, 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 he could. There's no doubt he could. Uh, If you haven't seen the new Top Gun Maverick, go ahead and do that. Go watch OU Baseball and OU Softball. But, Travis, if you haven't seen the new Top Gun, go do it, dude. Seriously, you won't regret it. I saw it. It was incredible. Yeah, man, it was. All right, that'll do it for us on the Friday Rush. Appreciate Travis Davidson and Ash Cigar Bar in Tulsa for having him out. Appreciate Connor Pasby back in studio for running things today. And appreciate Westwood Family Aquatic Center for having me out. We'll talk to you on Monday. It is the Rush right here on the Homeless Sooner Fans. Enjoy the weekend.